So at, where we left off was a slight promise to, to uh, talk a little bit more about um, self, the self-identity, self-view, which is really at the, the heart of the Buddha's realization. You know, he sat under the, the Bodhi tree, as m- many of you know the story as well as I do, but he studied his, his mind and body and sensations, his moods, thoughts and images, everything that up to that point he was very identified with. But what really shook him up was that he saw that all the pride and enchantment that he had with being young was just, was misplaced. The the pride that he had in in health was misplaced because he knew he'd get sick and the pride he had in life was misplaced because he knew, then he realized he was going to die, as we all have to realize. But he saw that, that, that it was this body and mind that we get so identified with and we think of it as me and mine and yet we can't tell it not to get old, we can't tell it not to get sick, we can't tell it not to die and we can't tell it not to think very successfully. And we spend a lot of time thinking about the imagined version of ourselves, the, the psychological version, which is inevitable if you're a human being. You have a sense, a felt sense. It's part of the creative function of life, this creative sense of being an agent that's somehow dealing with this body and this world. But that sense of agency is really another appearance in consciousness. It's another idea. And if it's taken to be more absolute, and we actually think that there's a core of agency, of identity, we suffer a lot because we feel like Nisargadatta said in that piece, like this dot in this vast universe and feel buffeted by everything. And, it, and, what, that, and what it obscures is this deep sense of intimacy with all of life that uh, I think Thich Nhat Hanh speaks so beautifully. He says, when, you, when this is in a little bit of quiescence, you say, you, are, you realize you are me and I am you. Isn't it obvious that we enter our? You cultivate the flower in yourself so that I will be beautiful. I transform the garbage in myself so that you will not have to suffer. I support you, you support me. I'm in this world to offer you peace. You are in this world to bring me joy. The realization that, that allows a person to say such a thing is the realization of the, of the cessation of an absolute sense of individuality giving way to the cessation of the absolute view that we tend to carry that there's other, that there's an in here and an out there. We start to understand there's no inner or no outer. Yet this, func- this agency has a certain function. It protects the body, it, it allows for communication to say, I'm here, you're there, but this sense of I is taken to be more absolute than it is. And this locks us into feeling that we're apart from life, apart from the flow of life. And this is a, it, and it, then we have to somehow figure out how to get back in connection with life, which is then the activity of endless becoming, endless trying to reach 
the universe reach the end of this separation when the end of separation is actually recognized when we turn and instead of turning outward we turn back toward the very nature of our mind that is all-inclusive, free, inseparable from everything and everyone. So I wanted to continue in that passage this sense of constant striving to be someone, to become someone. It's, it's the, almost the intention for the I, the identity to continue. And here's what the next paragraph said. It is because the I am is false that it wants to continue. Reality does not need to continue. Knowing itself to be indestructible, it is indifferent to the destruction of forms and expressions. To strengthen and stabilize the I am, we do all sorts of things, all in vain, for the I am is being rebuilt moment to moment. It is unceasing work and the only radical solution is to, to dissolve the separate sense of I am such and such person once and for all. I would put it a little differently. See through it once and for all. It is another thought. It's another appearance. I would also say it's a functional and useful appearance. A sense of agency. But it's it doesn't have any, the reason he says false, it has no ultimate existence. And that's good news because we're happiest when you meditate. You're not busy being somebody meditating. You just, there's just noticing and objects being noticed. It's why we're so happy. It's because we're not preoccupied with that internal view of ourselves that's constantly creating a sense of separation and then trying to continue Something that doesn't have real reality. So, I debated about whether to bring this in, but I was thinking about self-view. And like I, I did mention earlier, that, that, the, um, that the Christine Blasey Ford, Dr. Ford's testimony and the reality of her experience has been a, a major trigger for a lot of people. And it's triggered, completely innocently, it's triggered the very strong identity that so many people have of having been uh, assaulted or raped or, uh, or uh, just invaded or uh, marginalized, not seen, uh, all the all the horror of, um, of being a, a woman in this, uh, in this kind of patriarchal, um, privilege-dominated culture. And you can see that, that the heartache and the pain, and I may not be the best spokesperson for this since I'm one of those white guys, <laughs> but the heartache and pain to the extent that we're, that we're not able to metabolize that kind of experience and completely integrate it and heal it, that pain has uh, become a kind of um, 
kind of internal locus of experience, locus of observation, a sense, a point of reference, an identity, an identity view. And so in this case, you see that the identity view is something that is completely natural response to the experience of, of being human, let alone having uh, the, ex the, the innocent experience of having been invaded or treated, treated uh, un, uh, unkindly or not seen or not cared for. Naturally, we contract. And, and we're not usually so great at, and especially until you're actually a very well-trained, uh, you have a lot of self-awareness or a well-trained yogi, can you actually begin to feel and metabolize all that lock that into the source of a very strong identity view. And so when I talk about the identity view, it's not something that you, that's, ca that's I don't want to be cavalier about it. It's something that gets deeply conditioned and entrenched. And yet we can't, until we actually see that as a complex of feelings and views and actually feel the effect of it, the fuel for continuing to incarnate in the story of it is so strong. And that's why it's so important that somebody is able to tell their story and to, and to have solidarity and to have, be mirrored and, and, it, and to actually feel the pain of it. And then it starts to relax a little bit and the fuel that drives the view of oneself as that and have everything related to that can, let, can relax a little bit. And that person who has the same ground of openness can then start to see, oh, I'm more than just the, the effect of this painful experience. That's not my, my identity is not completely defined by that. Well, the same is true for Judge Kavanaugh built a huge identity around privilege, around entitlement, around education. The mana, mana is the word for conceit, pride. Pride in education, huge identity view. Pride in wealth, that's the, there's several different, there's wealth, there's beauty, there's, uh, there's education, there's uh, career, whatever it is. The shroud of the pride that b it gets built around these things that are actually apparitions. They're empty. They create the illusion of superiority. That's what mana, there's a, the word in the Pali is, is mana. And there's three kinds of mana or conceit. There's atimana, which is the superiority view. There's mana, which is the equality view. That's a little bit less grand, but we're always comparing, always measuring whether we're... And then there's the amana, which is the infer inferiority. And it's really common for people to fall into the view of self that where we're less than, unworthy, not enough, uh, small, just like our, our friend who, you know, that, that view that I've been in prison, so I'm not, I'm just a lowly... It's a view. It's not real. It's not, it's not, it reflects some experience in life, but it's not, it's not the heart of the matter. 
So I don't know how many of you have seen Judge Kavanaugh as the, as the identity viewer, the emperor with no clothes. Because clearly the level of reaction is the sign that whatever that identity view was not enough to hold it together. And we see the, the really almost the, the dissolution of that pride, that atimana, and the attempt to kind of reconstitute itself and how, how that loop is, an, is called samsara. It's endless wandering. And so, there's, so when the Buddha talked about this mana, talked about identity, he said, you have to, this is what you have to see through. And what he saw, he saw through any view of self is not accurate. Any. And we need to wake up. It's like that, it's like that story I always tell from Anthony DeMello where he was watching Spanish television and he, here's the story about this guy who, who um, uh, named Jaime, uh, whose father knocks on his door in the morning and says, Jaime, uh, wake up. Uh, it's time to go to school. And he keeps knocking and Jaime doesn't answer. And says, Jaime, it's, wake up. It's time to go to school. And Jaime says, well, I don't want to go to school. And uh, his father engages him in conversation, finally says to him, you know, Jaime, why don't you want to go to school? Um, and uh, Jaime says, well, I don't like school. He says, and the kids tease me. Uh, and it's really dull. And then his dad says, well, I'll give you three reasons why you have to go to school. It's your duty. You're 45 years old, and you're the headmaster. Wake up. Wake up. So that, that being caught in the, in the shroud of privilege or whatever, it deprives us of waking up to the, to the freedom that waits. But we're so obsessed by, uh, by protecting, by the continuation of that apparition, that identity. And the reality of you doesn't need continuation. It's indestructible. That's why Thich Nhat Hanh says, you, not just, not just poetic, you are the, who are the richest person on earth who've been going around begging for a living. Stop being the destitute child. Come home. Reclaim your heritage. The vija, the ground of wakefulness. Get to know it. Be free. And then... When the, when the mind needs to have an identity or it shows up as the sage on the stage or it shows up as dad who the daughter doesn't give you the time of day, something, it's, it's just the identity view. It's just the sting of, or the inflation or the deflation. It doesn't define me. None of it does. And none of it defines you. Whatever you imagine yourself to be, you're... You're so much more. So wake up. You're the headmaster. You're the headmaster. So the poet Hafez says, just sit there. It seems counterintuitive when 
you know, talk about the great riches, but he says, just sit there right now. Don't do a thing. For your separation from God or the divine or your nature, for your separation from the divine is the hardest work in this world. Let me bring you trays of food and something that you like to drink. You can use my soft words as a cushion for your head. So when we notice that we're triggered or, we're, or we, are, um, we are deflated or inflated, we should regard our own vulnerability whatever way that we have uh, configured ourselves as a sense of identity, knowingly or unknowingly, when we recognize its fragility, which every identity is, we should be bowing in, we should be bowing toward that, loving that, um, just filling it up with the reminder of that you're okay, that you're not who you imagine yourself to be. Should be, be soothing that agitated heart that feels insecure. We should be hugging ourselves. We should be tapping. We should be awakening the, the vagal nerve so that the oxytocin starts getting secreted in the brain so that we feel like we've been cared for. Not trying harder to continue being somebody, which just is almost uh, an assault. I'm sorry to use that word, but it's an assault on our tender hearts to think that we're not good enough or that we have to somehow maintain our uh, superiority or uh, fix ourselves. Uh, We need to remember that we are worthy just by virtue of being here, by having taken birth in the miracle of life creation. So there's not one person on present evidence I've ever met, ever, who's, who's not enough, who's unworthy. I just, you know, I, I get the good fortune. I think I have the best job in the world. I, you know, I travel like 25 times a year to different communities and I, 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 over many years, some of the communities, almost 30 years, I bond with the, the people in the community and I meet new people all the time and of course I, I'm absolutely crazy about this community too, but every single time I fall madly in love for people and I'm, and I'm 99% certain that what I'm seeing you know, because I don't always, by going once a year, I don't always hear everybody's personal story, but, I, but you know, to this particular retreat I just taught this last weekend, I did 40 or so one-on-one meetings with people. So I got to hear, there, was a, there were a lot of assault victims, a lot of people who had had a lot of uh, suffering in that regard. And, and I could see the way the identity had formed in certain people in certain ways and but then I heard other stories and and no matter what the story is the person that sits before me I I 
go, I, I, I actually, I fall in love with each person. And it's, and I'm, as I started to say, I'm 99% certain that what I'm seeing, and I'm not that I'm seeing such depth or anything, what I'm seeing is just that, that version, that perfect version of themselves that's just themselves, that expression of life. But what they're seeing often is the version that's playing in our mind that is that's insufficient. You know, as I often read that, that uh, quote from James J. Audubon where he says, if there's a difference between the bird and what the field guidebook says, believe the bird. Most people are believing the field, book, field guidebook. And the beauty of practice of coming back to this ground of openness is we can just see the field guidebook with so much more tenderness, so much more clarity. Step out of the, the, the ego door, the identity door. Uh, it's, it's just part of our human functioning, but it's, it has no substantiality. So I think if it's possible, hold Judge Kavanaugh in your heart of compassion too for the, the vulnerability that, that is at the root of his nature. And, it's, and let's see if we can broaden our circle of compassion to include everyone who has to grapple with this maniacal um, view of self that when unchecked creates just a ground of insecurity. When recognized, it's, it becomes part of the, the cause of our awakening. So it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just... It needs to be understood, recognized. And so when we say let it go, it means let go of believing it as an absolute definition of who your nature is, who you are. And in the meantime, while you're seeing, as well as seeing through the self-illusion and the illusion of other, try to experience yourself. outside of that illusion. The one that notices that is not an identity. The one that is noticing sadness is not sad. The one that is noticing fury, anger, is not angry. It's a field of openness, of open-heartedness. That's our natural state. But as I often say, don't believe me. See for yourself. Look within the nature of your own mind. The Tibetans would say it's clear. Open. Not made of anything. Shining. Black. Containing all experience, but not limited by it, not touched by it. Or the Buddha, this is a controversial line from the Buddha, Luminous is this mind, brightly shining. And it's visited by all the defilements, all the identity views that visit. This the ordinary person doesn't understand, so there's no cultivation of their mind. But he goes on to say, luminous is this mind, brightly shining. And it's untouched by all the defilements that visit it. This the yogi understands. Therefore, there's cultivation of the mind. So we all, have this, we all have this natural freedom in us, but we're mostly looking for it somewhere else. 
So right now, be free. Be aware. Don't be somebody being aware. Just be aware. Be free. You are the richest person on earth. You've been going around begging for a living. Come home. Reclaim your heritage. May our practice include everyone since there is only us. There is no me and other. So may all beings be touched by the blessings of our practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.